Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this June the 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? Uh, I'm doing fine. How about you? Yeah, I uh, just woke up. So, boy, just I kept on up. sleeping. Yeah, just kept on sleeping, and so I'm getting my voice back. But uh, It's 9.30 in the morning. Yeah, I, I, I don't wake up until I wake up. Oh, okay. And you have given us a great article to really wake us up. It's about praying in public should support interfaith etiquette. And can you tell us what brought this article to the forefront? What brought the article to the forefront was my wife gave it to me out of the State Journal Register and appeared in the newspaper here. Just kidding. But uh, I got to looking at it a little bit closer at at the article and went online to to get the digital copy to send to you, and I couldn't find it. It, it, Shortly after it was printed, it it was pulled uh, from the public side for whatever reason. I have no idea, but it got me to looking at the, the whole concept of what they call interfaith. And it was quite it was quite a, a a little journey there before we get into the article. It uh, started in 1893 at the Parliament of World Religion, that was uh, in Chicago, Illinois, of all places. Yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting little twist because in 1847 we we found at the Missouri Synod in Chicago. By 1991, the term interfaith starts making its way into the language, which we'll discuss in a little bit what we mean by that. But it really took off after 9-11-2001 with the Twin Towers being blown up by those planes that entered into it by Muslim extremists. And... uh, Ever since then is is how do we get along with with interfaith and I think this uh, with different different types of uh, religions that are out there and I think this article really kind of speaks to it in a way that we can look at. Yes, it's um, <clears throat> an article by Don Stevenson, and he begins by saying. I gave an impromptu prayer at a public meeting where I ended the invocation with, in the name of Christ. Now, after giving that prayer, what did he realize and what did he do? Well, he realized that his prayer ending was was personal, and it was personal with his church and his family but felt it was inappropriate and disrespectful in a public setting, even though it was not intentional. So following the meeting, what did he do? Uh, he quickly gets up and goes to his Jewish friend and offers an apology 
for his mental lapse, which uh, uh, he thought he wants the support interface adequate and didn't think that it was quite nice that he did that. And, of course, his Jewish friend thanked him for that, that he had used the name of Christ. And his point was, I happen to believe that the very founder of my faith, Jesus, summons me to respect all religions and faith perspectives. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing, but I, I, I started looking in the scriptures, and I, I'm trying to figure out where, where Jesus has, has said that. I find... I find it quite the opposite. I mean, first thing that came to mind, for instance, in the Old Testament was Elijah in 1 Kings 18 as he takes on the 450 prophets of Baal as uh, who prays, uh, whose prayers are heard before God. Excellent. And then, of course, while the nation of Israel went into captivity, why would God do that if he respected all religions? Oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way, too. That's true. Uh, they were allowed to go into captivity because they thought that they could follow Baal rather than God. Exactly. In fact, it's too bad that Don Stevenson was not a disciple of the Lord because he could have talked to the Lord, and therefore made sure that the crucifixion would not take place. But it took place because what did Jesus say about the Jewish leaders? Their father was... Oh, was the devil. And he was a liar from the beginning. Well, can you imagine hearing that about your religion? That doesn't sound very respectful, does it? No, you know, and, and I went back. It's always a reminder, you know. I like to read my catechism, and uh, the one with explanation, uh, Luther's small catechism, and it says, "Whom should we pray to? Only the true Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." And uh, it. Uh, Reminds us that our prayers are to go to, the, to as a Christian to the, to the true God, and also in the Catechism, to, uh, we talk about how we should pray, and we should pray uh, in the name of Jesus. So, if you're following the, the Lutheran Catechism, there's no doubt that that's how he should have prayed in the first place was in the name of Jesus. Yes, he continues talking about prayer. He says, some seem to use a public prayer as a marketing tool that seemingly showcases a spiritual fervor and advances one's own religious dogma. Yes, we need to be more aware of a diverse public and pray a prayer that umbrellas all faith perspectives. Now, a good example of that is the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? What's that? The Lord's Prayer. 
Does that embrace all faith perspectives? (laughs) Probably not. Of course Uh, not. First of all, our Father who art in heaven refers to God the Father, not to Allah or any other idol. And then forgive us our sins. That is specifically Christian and is not found in other religions. Other religions may talk about forgiveness, but they do so on the basis of your works. The better your works, the better your chance that you will be forgiven. So the Lord's Prayer is a beautiful example that does not umbrella all faith perspectives. You're not giving this interfaith stuff much much uh, credibility at this rate, you know. No. I tell you what came to mind, right? One of the Bible passages that, that uh, I often look to is Acts chapter four twelve. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That uh, that kind of nails it down there, that Jesus is the only name. Yes, this uh, Don Stevenson gives an example of how you should end a public prayer where there are other religions. He says, maybe something like, in the name of the God who holds our faith, or the like, a kind of prayer that includes rather than excludes. Yeah, it's too bad Elijah didn't know that with the prophets of Baal. Yeah, yeah the, the, and that brings in that whole thing that I, I introduced earlier, interfaith. I mean, what what do we mean by interfaith? Uh, faith, as it's described in the Bible, talks about faith in the true God. And... Uh, Never were was faith used in, in terms of faith of, of a false god. Remind us what happened at a ELCA Elka Lutheran Convention uh, about how they understood what interfaith etiquette meant. Oh, they invited people, uh, um, various preachers. Uh, of, of different faiths, Hindu, Baha'i, uh, you, you name it, Muslims, to come up and go up onto the uh, podium with the Alka Bishop as they were their brothers and sisters in, 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 in God. Yes, well said. And a layman used the Bible verse, and he was shot down by the convention. What did he say? Or didn't he? Wasn't he using? Because they had said, "How how are we to 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 know God?" And and uh, he brought up out of John fourteen uh, that if you know the if you know Jesus, you know the Father. Yes, and so without knowing Jesus, you don't know the Father, and that was the yeah. whole purpose of Jesus. Yes. And, and therein, therein lies, too, one of the reasons that we, we pray in the, in the name of Jesus, 
because we know that our prayers will be heard by by the triune God. Now, he mentions an issue before the Supreme Court right now about using prayers in a public school setting. And it is before the Supreme Court for a judgment. Recently, a high school coach in the state of Washington repeatedly held prayers at midfield after football games. Following dismissal from his coaching job for this public spiritual gathering, he initiated and sometimes led. This coach now contests that his firing was not fair or legal and that he wants his job back. So how does Don Stevenson, what questions does he ask as to whether or not that prayer was appropriate? Well, see, he goes on, what kind of prayer was it? Was it Christian, Jewish, Islamic, or uh, another religion prayer? You know, uh, which, by the way, it, it was a volunteer prayer that he held out on the field. He did not force any of his players or anybody else to participate. Yes. And so this Don Stevenson wants to know what was the content of the prayer? And did the prayer market a particular religion or fervor? And he says, are these fair and legitimate questions? Well, I'll tell you, they wouldn't be fair and legitimate if he was talking to Jesus as one of his disciples. Yeah. Was that the story of, of the Pharisee and the publican that are praying in the temple? Which one was went away justified? Yes, the Pharisee says, Thank God I'm not like that tax collector because, and then he names some various ceremonial laws he was following. Whereas, what did the publican say? Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Exactly. And Jesus says, the publican went down to his house justified, whereas the Pharisee did not. And so there's a great example where prayer makes a difference to God. Right. And therein lies, uh, how can you have an interfaith uh, coalition between various religions? Because really it works out that uh, all other religions look towards how, how we can work righteous, how we can work our way to heaven somehow and justify that what we do is okay versus from God's perspective, God does it all through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I have a technique that when somebody asks me, is this a sin? They've got an example. What I do, I always turn to Jesus to see if he ever permitted it or if he condemned it. And that's all Mm -hmm. I need. Well, here's a statement by this Don Stevenson, which is kind of interesting. Constitutional wisdom 
tells us that we are free to worship within our own tribes, but public employees and officials are not free to push or advertise their religion in an official capacity. Now, as soon as he wrote that, you know what I thought of? It's What's called that? the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. There Jesus had no problem in pushing a religion of an official capacity, namely Christianity. I mean, time and time again, this man has no understanding of Jesus. Time and time again, he's an idolater in saying this, what I am saying is better than what Jesus said. And so you right, almost, well, go ahead. You almost get the impression that to be having interfaith etiquette means not to use the law to accuse someone of sin and unbelief, and certainly not to use the gospel, because that is specifically Christian. Yeah, no. Yeah. The the other thing that came to mind is we had just celebrated the ascension, and what was it that Christ said to his disciples as he's parting and going up into the clouds? He says, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, and to the remotest parts of the earth. And that kind of undoes what, what Jesus is talking about, is for us to reach out into the public. Yeah, that listing of who they are to be witnesses to is very narrow, and then it goes broader and broader into the country. And Jesus never said, but don't talk to the Gentiles about the Christian faith or pray to them about what is Christianity, because that would be not interfaith etiquette. Yeah, and one of the things that, that really stands out is he talks about them going to Samaria, as we know from from the history, uh, biblical history, that the Samaritan was half Jewish and half Arab, so it was a reaching of cross culturally uh, across the table to to others that that are not of the same descent as we are. Yes, he says, you know, we're in a de- democracy where we enjoy freedom for people to practice their preferred faith within the context and arena of their religious tribe or not to practice a religion at all. We are free to embrace or not embrace a religion. And when we have opportunity to pray in public, we need to be mindful of a diverse presence, which is important and even respectful. I I don't see that ever in the Bible. No, it's not in the Bible, and and the thing is, when when these false religions get as as we see them, with or our work righteousness, you go to uh, countries where they're, they're the predominant religion. There's no interfaith uh, nicety 
interstices between them. The Christians are persecuted, and we, and we see this across many, many uh, parts where just believing in Jesus is enough for you to be imprisoned and put into jail. Another apostle that really broke these rules for interfaith etiquette was, of course, Paul, when he went to the Agora and talked about that idol, that, what was that called? The unknown God. Excellent. Because they had gods for everything, for the river, for the weather, for the agriculture. But this unknown God was to take care of everything that they did not have a God for. And Paul specifically used that as an example of who the unknown God really was, namely Jesus Christ. And he simply was saying that your unknown God is really contrary to the word of God, but it can be understood because you know there are areas in your life not covered, and they are covered by the known God, namely Jesus Christ. Now, that was not a very good interfaith etiquette that he was doing there, was it? No, that was one of them that I had put down to with a question mark. What does it do with his whole witness, the unknown God? Or for that matter, when you go through through the book, uh, The Acts of the Apostles, you talk about all these missionary journeys where they reach out to the public. Yes. Now, who is this Don Stevenson? He is an adjunct instructor of philosophy, world religion, and ethics at Hagerstown Community College. And here comes the important part. He is a retired part-time minister of the United Church of Christ. So that explains a lot. Why is that? I mean, after all, it's United Church of Christ. Yes, but they're not united with Jesus many a time. They believe in abortion, in homosexuality, and many other things that are contrary to the Bible because the Holy Spirit leads them in new ways and they don't need to listen to the Bible. And, and that's why being brought up in that religion leads you to say, you can't even say a prayer and end it with in the name of Jesus because that is offensive to Muslims, Jews, and others. And that's why I thought it was important that we, during this Pentecost season coming up here, with Pentecost coming up and talking about how they reach out with the good news. I mean, even Paul, uh, not Paul, but uh, Peter, speaking about on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, it would not have occurred in, in, this, in these interface sort of things. And why it is so important for us to get that good news out there. What ministry would be destroyed by this kind of thinking? Now, I haven't talked to you about this. You might not realize it, but I'll give you a hint. 
It's what you and I are doing right now. <laughs> you mean talking about law and gospel and, and here on KFUO and exactly. KFUO is, uh, I don't know of a KFUO program that will not end a prayer in the name of Jesus or speak about Jesus in the prayer. That's what we're all about. And yet we know that there are many people who are not even Christian who often listen to KFUO. And so if we're to follow this Don Stevenson's advice, we would have to shut off the air so we do not offend all of these people. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up. This morning they had this Matthew Weefield that's uh, worked at the seminary at uh, Fort Wayne. His grandfather was Professor Rossow from uh, the seminary in, in uh, St. Louis, the preaching seminary. He baptized yes. him, and I was there at the baptism when that happened. And he went on to become a pastor. And one of his loves in life is to tell the good news of Jesus. Exactly. And, boy, can you imagine that every pastor now is told you are to tell the good news of Jesus, except if it's in a public situation. Yes, and uh, he, he never grows tired of doing that. And, and, it, and that's the, the, the lifeblood of our many pastors of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. They say they love to tell the story about Jesus and his love for us and salvation he has won for us. Exactly. That's our purpose. And blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. You will not be persecuted if you refuse to use the name of Jesus in your witnessing or in your prayers. In other words, you're now working with the devil. And it's, it's always good to know that, that the, that's the only name of Jesus that we should follow, that regardless of whatever the rest of the world is doing, it's Christ only. All right, thanks so much for helping me out. This was a great article. I can hardly believe a Christian pastor refuses to pray in the name of Jesus. You may have questions about this. Email me at lawngospel at lawngospel101.com and we may respond to it on tomorrow's email address. I'm Tom Baker with Wes Reimnitz. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.